You're listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We'll be joined by experts who will help us understand current issues and resources available to those diagnosed with blood cancer. Holidays and, you know, those things are, are, mean so much more now than they did prior to cancer entering our lives. This may potentially be a cure for some patients. We'll also be speaking with patients and caregivers who will share their cancer journey with us to better understand life after diagnosis and let you know you're not alone. Beforehand, my job was to earn a living for my family. My wife said to me, your job now is to live. And that's what I'm doing. I'm living my life the way I want to live it, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a much more fulfilling life. Let's get started. Welcome to Bloodline with LLS. I'm Alicia. And I'm Lizette. Thanks for joining us today. Today we will be speaking with three caregivers, Marinda, David, and... Alejandro. (laughs) So about the caregiving experience, and we'll just be talking more about their journey, when the patient was diagnosed, and how that experience was. So we'll start with Marinda. Tell us about who it is that you are caregiving for, you can just use their first name, their diagnosis, and when that was, what was going on around that time, and they'll go around the room. Kevin is my husband. He was diagnosed April the 8th of this year. Um, very quick onset. He was just sick one morning, didn't go to work. That evening when I got done with work, he said, take me to the hospital. Mm-hmm. That was a Monday. By Wednesday, we were in the hospital at Ball Memorial and over by Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And by Friday, we was at the VA hospital in Indianapolis, and by Saturday, they were doing chemo. Oh, wow. So it was that quick diagnosis and onset. Mm-hmm. I know, was he the type of person that held off from going to the hospital or the doctor or something was yes. wrong? Uh, so you knew but he's He's not ever really been sick. The yeah. only time he's ever been in the hospital mm-hmm. was when he was in the Navy and he had adult chicken box. Oh. So that was 80. Eighty one. Oh wow! Yeah. He's never been in the hospital. So wow! He didn't get sick. Yeah, because we hear so many stories where a lot of people say, "Oh, like I felt something, but I didn't." You know, I just decided to wait it out. Oh, he's nauseous. Yeah, dizzy, and we just thought it was the flu. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Wow, that was that was very quick. Yeah. And his diagnosis is acute myeloid leukemia. Oh, thank you for sharing. Alejandro. Oh. You're uh, up. <laughs> so it was uh, my brother Alonso. He uh, got diagnosed in December 2016. Mm-hmm. And then he had treatment, got it cleared up, and it came back November 2018. Almost a year. He was a couple, of, like two weeks away from the year. Wow. Then he got the transplant on uh, February of this year. Mm-hmm. When he got it, it was, uh, he went for a week to a convention where he worked at in Bastrop it's like an hour from Austin mm-hmm. he came back he was tired that was the, like the first symptom he was just tired kind of weak after that he got thrush mm-hmm. uh, you know what babies get mm-hmm. yeah. sores in the mouth and such mm-hmm. so he went to the doctor and the doctor was like eh, that's kind of weird but she gave him antifungal medicine mm-hmm. I think it was like a week later he started getting a fever. It was just persistent fever. It wouldn't go away. And that lasted for a few days. And then my mom tried some home remedies for fevers that usually work. And she was like, no, something's wrong. So then they took him to the hospital. And the hospital did like blood work and sent him on his way. They gave him some stuff to control the fever. And then 
like two, three days later, they called back and told him he had to come back immediately. Yeah. And he was in there for a month. Then they find out this was AML. Wow. And then he got treatment like a week later, started chemo. Yeah. Dave? Uh, you know, the my wife presented with uh, a fever for an extended period of time, so similar mm-hmm. to, to your brother. And uh, after probably five or six weeks, she just went in, uh, saw a doc. They ran some tests. Her white blood count was very low, and uh, so low that uh, this would have been uh, November of 2004. And as a family, we generally do the turkey trot, a little 5K in the area. Oh, yeah. And uh, they advised her to not even do that, which is kind of mm-hmm. freaky, uh, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, after blood tests were run and everything, I came back that, uh, that she uh, had AML. And almost embarrassingly, uh, when they were transporting her from the first floor where they had done a bunch of tests, uh, we got off and, and my wife said, did you see where we are? I said, yeah, we're on the fourth floor. So I'm the idiot. She says, no, that says oncology. And that's, uh, that was our first indication that something was really wrong. Um, yeah. And then when they, when they completed the test later, um, I think even the, the next day is when we got the results. So it was, it, was a, it was a shock. Yeah. So, uh, but this was, uh, like I said, back in 2004. Uh, mm-hmm. Then in uh, March 31st, 2005, she had her first transplant. Mm-hmm. And then her uh, marrow kind of stopped working. It wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, she had to have infusions all the time. Essentially, the marrow wasn't making blood, so she had a second uh, transplant. November 27th of uh, 2007, mm-hmm. and she's been in remission actually since the first one, but uh, as normal as we can get since that second transplant. Mm-hmm. So right, right. Pretty fortunate. Yeah. Your your wife, she actually had low counts? Or the white blood cells were low? Uh, my, my brother was, his were like through the roof, insanely high. Oh, that's White right. blood cells. Yeah, is it the platelet count that would have been down there? Okay. Yeah, the platelets. So I, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I got that. Yeah. I was just yeah. curious. I'm like, yeah, because that, that zooms up because yeah. of the infection. And, right. And, yeah. yeah. Well, so. see, because when it, when his when yeah. my brother's relapsed, his uh, he had no symptoms, which was weird. Yeah. He felt mm-hmm. fine, but the the counts were just steadily going up. Uh-huh. Well, so I was just curious. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Cabins were low. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think it was the platelets. It the was year white prior, blood. his white count was like 17, and when we got diagnosed, he was down to 6. Yeah, because like, oh. I remember hers were down to 30, <laughs> and that just meant she had no ability to fight the infection. That's what it was. And uh, so it was, yeah. So it's the two extremes. It could go high. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. interesting. What so, did you guys know about leukemia before? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing. You know, my experience was that was a childhood disease, and that, you know, the only time I'd really heard about it is, is people that I knew their children had died. So it, was, it just turned into a whole new world, and then you got an education that you never expected to have. Mm-hmm. So I've dealt with other cancer. I had my first husband passed away. He had bone cancer that got into his lungs. Wow. And they went in three different times and took parts of his lung out, both sides of the lungs out, and he passed away. And so I dealt with that type. 
of cancer. We didn't do chemo or anything because it wouldn't have done any good. And then to do this with a totally different, different thing, it's a, just a completely different concept. Right. Because now you're a caregiver again yeah. to a yeah. spouse. Yeah. yeah. And of course, my first thought was, why again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's but, hard. But yeah, I had a similar experience because my dad had uh, maybe 25, 30 years before he died, he had bladder cancer mm. and it was eradicated for like 30, 35 years. And then uh, it came back. Mm-hmm. And he was literally uh, in his final days when Rana had her uh, transplant. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. She shouldn't have been driving, probably, but she drove our two daughters down for Dad's funeral, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when he came back with him, the, you know, the doc basically said that, you know, the cow's out of the barn. And I was like, that's probably not the best way to, to put it. But, <laughs> yeah. Bedside manners. So, and, yeah. it, it was a tough thing to take, and it was, yeah. we were already kind of running on empty. Yeah. Quite frankly, and then just to be experiencing that at the same time was pretty pretty challenging. Yeah. We were talking to one of another patient and she was saying that her father was diagnosed with kidney cancer and ended up passing away. And so that was the family's first interaction with cancer. So when she was diagnosed with lymphoma, you know, years later, their automatic mindset was, Oh gosh, again, the same thing's right. gonna happen. She said that it was her job to kind of do the research for them to let them know that having a cancer diagnosis doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the same outcome for everybody. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned it was your brother. Is that the only sibling you have? I've got uh, two brothers, three of us all together. Yeah, and you mentioned that this was the first time you came in contact with leukemia, right, for all of you. Mm-hmm. Where did you, had you known about the leukemia and the Foma Society? Had you seen or heard or read I've anything seen, about seen, them? Yeah, I've seen logos and such. And Prior that. to? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have too. I mean, you see the commercials on yeah. TV, but, and, I mean, I know it was a blood cancer, but never the extent of exactly what is involved. Right, and how complex yeah, it is. Yeah, I didn't even know it was cancer. I thought it was a, bl- a blood disorder. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of people, actually, that's common. I don't think I had exposure to LS yeah. before. And, like, say, this is you know, 13, 14 years ago, so, Mm -hmm. uh, but we've had a lot of exposure since. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. So where'd you get your information about leukemia? Uh, Mostly from the docs in the hospital, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Uh, I I think it just took us by, so much by surprise that we we just, I didn't even know where to go. They did have a program at the hospital, kind of walked you through steps of transplant and and they did have concerns about, you know, the caregivers and, and things to, you know, how to take care of yourself and make sure that you did. But it kind of stopped, uh, you know, afterward. They did have a few folks on site, but they're mostly patient-focused and not really caregiver-focused at all. So, at least that was my experience. Social worker told us about the website that we definitely needed to go check out the website because there was tons of information in the caretaker part on there and the patient part and so that's haven't really gone on there yet to go explore but mm-hmm. did the treatment team like David's hospital tell you about the caregiver and taking care of yourself yeah the uh, social worker did that come up and sat with us or sat with me when I would go visit and stuff with him 
That's good to know because a lot of times we have been hearing from caregivers and that's not their experience. Um, everybody's asking about the patient, um, your loved one, and nobody's really asking about you. And we talked to a caregiver that was years into treatment for their loved one, and somebody um, just said to them, how are you doing today? And they were just so shook up with emotion, I think they cried because nobody had asked them about themselves. Uh, we were very fortunate. I'm very impressed with the VA hospital because I've never dealt with, I've always heard bad stories about mm -hmm. VA hospitals and stuff, but um, found out that Indiana University was also involved with the VA, so they worked together, which they're a teaching hospital. Mm -hmm. And I can't say enough about the nurses that we had because they actually did. When I, I would go up on the weekends, because I'd stay home work all week, and then I'd go up on a Friday and stay all weekend, and they would come in and ask me if I needed anything, if I was okay, and we'd go up to that floor to see what nurses are up there working that day to go visit and let them see his progress, because they don't get that very often, because most patients don't go back and they don't want to go visit, you know? mm -hmm. but we go visit our nurses. Oh, that's nice. So they helped a lot Yeah. and was concerned about whoever was there with him and if good. they needed anything. So that helps if you have a good nurse, nursing okay. staff. It does. And yeah. you're the spouses. How about you, Alejandro? Did they speak to you as a caregiver, your sibling? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, usually I just, you know, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm just, they would tell me, you know, you can't get sick and this and that, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm. Don't get sick. Uh, wash your hands. Uh, yeah. Use Lysol. Oh, I use Lysol a lot. I could sit there. <laughs> if I thought there was like, you know, that guy, if I saw that guy sneeze and then put his hand in, spray lights all That's very that important. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Like, for me, when Ron is going to come home after the first set of chemo, um, really just kind of induction stuff before she got moved to a different hospital. They told me you need to clean the house down, and I I got containers of Lysol wipes. Mm -hmm. and as far as I could reach, every wall in the house. I mean, I was Aww. cleaning like a mad dog. I remember, you know, just being alone that night, and, and it was like I was just exhausted. I was out of gas, but mm -hmm. it's like we had to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I, I don't want to change subjects. But one thing I learned after my wife's experience, and really our experience is just awareness of mm -hmm. other people with different cancers and stuff. Part of my job is overseeing HR mm -hmm. at our little charter school. And, uh, well, you know, I knew people that were both caregivers and actually undergoing treatment. And, you know, with, with those undergoing treatment, I always told them, stay out of the pain. And those that were caregivers, I always told them, take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't help anybody else. Yeah. And that's so important to mention because I remember we were talking to, I believe it was a social worker, and she was saying that just like how on an airplane you have to put the mask on yourself first before you can help the person next to you, it's understanding that as a caregiver, like you said, taking care of yourself so that you can properly take care of whoever it is. Yeah. But it's hard to do because when we first start, you're like Superman. You, yeah. You just, I mean, the adrenaline or whatever, things start pumping and and... 
it, it's amazing how quickly you can crash too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can remember some time I just feel like walking into a closet and crying. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that same point, what did you do to intentionally incorporate care or self-care for you guys? Because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, and studies show that the impact of cancer, of a, of a cancer diagnosis, can be just as bad or just as stressful or on a caregiver as it is for the patient. So how did you guys intentionally just incorporate self-care? I can't give you any real good examples. Mm-hmm. I think part of what helped keep me going is, you know, 60 miles away, I had a daughter in college, and I mm-hmm. still had a high school student, a 10th grader at home. And I guess in a sense, the diversion of trying to take care of them kind of took me away from the whole AML situation. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was just a challenge. Um, yeah, I tried to stay. Uh, we lived 60 miles from the hospital, and I'd try and stay in, 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 at the hospital with her evenings and sometimes nights, but not very often. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were fortunate to have friends that took my daughter in, who was still at home, oh. and, and she would sometimes spend two or three nights in a row with them. Mm-hmm. And, and so just really lucky. I mean, had some good friends. and. I don't know. It was such a crazy time because, mm-hmm. you know, I was fortunate. I was in banking back then, and really the president of the bank, uh, who I would call a friend, uh, said, just do what you need to do, then get out of here. So I had the advantage of not having to work, you know, clock in for eight hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, some days I'd be in there for two hours, sometimes half an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, that's what I needed to do, and then I'd be gone. And yeah. I never got docked, or nobody counted my hours. Yeah, I have that right now too. not because I work from home, so my supervisor's been when I send a message or something, doctor's appointment or what, or even when it happened, take whatever you need. You have, we have to take ourselves. We can't stay constant with them because then we can't take care of ourselves because we are constantly looking at them, watching them breathe. Um, Oh, yeah. If you're there constantly, then we fall apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're not strong enough for them. So that's why I stayed home and worked all week and only went to the weekend to be with him because if I was there constantly, right. I wouldn't have been any good. There, there is that part of you that you have to... We have, you have to shut down part way because right. uh, you get too... In, you have to be involved, but if you get immerse yourself in with them then and that's a hard thing to you, admit I know, where you draw yeah, well, you have to draw that line for yourself yeah you do mm-hmm. and then or we're going to get sick and then what we can't do any good for them mm-hmm. so because i had that issue with my first husband i went back to work after he passed away after two weeks and people said why i said because if i don't i will stay home and i will go crazy because mm-hmm. all you do is sit there and think about things. Mm-hmm. You have to involve yourself in other things to be to keep yourself sane. That's another way to take care of ourselves. We've heard that from so many caregivers where it's a matter of like, I don't know if I should say it, but it's true. I yeah, mean, it's in order in order for you to take care of yourself. Yeah. And not feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have to. Well, you do you do a little bit. Yeah. You do feel guilty a little yeah. bit. There's this one lady we were talking to, and she was a caregiver of her husband. 
And she was saying that it may sound small to somebody, but she said the most helpful thing for her was her friend calling her and saying, like, every week, let's get our nails done. Let's go to the movies. And yeah. even though it sounds super small or, or someone might say, oh, that's it. But for her, she was like, I felt so guilty knowing that, God forbid, something happened, I was getting my nails done. But she needed that time. Right. She needed to at least do something that had nothing to do with the diagnosis. Right. So she felt like she was taking care of herself. So I'll yeah. her, if you come to Denver, I'll take you to get your nails done. <laughs> I think I'd like that. Thank you. So how was it for you, I love you. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> when did you, how, yeah, how yeah. How did you myself? intentionally incorporate you, you self-care? Worked a lot. I, was, I worked a lot. Yeah? I worked a lot for, you know, like a couple of, since, 20, since 2016, so like two years, I worked almost seven days a week. Wow. So my dad could uh, stay there with him. Yeah, yeah. And then did your mom stay with him a lot too? Well, she can't drive, so if my dad can't drive, or my dad had to drive her around, but he also had to work, so I was like, well, shoot, dad, just quit and I'll pay you. Wow. Yeah, he stepped up so his dad could spend more time. So yeah. There are so many amazing stories, but this to me is really an amazing story. It really is. To show the sacrifice that people have to make to make sure that things are taken care of, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need a t-shirt, though. <laughs> I do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I worked a lot. Mm-hmm. I repair machinery, so I mm-hmm. get dirty all the time. So I'd be like, well, bro, I ain't gonna be able to make it because I got... I was welding, so I got welding fume all over me. I, I read. I don't know how true it is, but I was like, yeah, better safe than sorry. Yeah. So apparently when you weld, you get micro metal, mi- nan- what is it, nano? nanoparticles, microparticles? I don't mm-hmm. know. They're tiny particles of mm-hmm. metal. I'm like, well, that can't be good to breathe. So I, like, I just won't go there. If I, I get, like, dirty with nature. Yeah. And uh, the doctor would say, uh, don't, uh, what would you say? They were cutting grass or yeah. got grass clippings on there. Oh, There's yeah. fungus and stuff growing in there. So you won't, yeah. you don't want to bring that in. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make it, bro. I have to go another day. Yeah. Um, so, but my dad was there, so it's okay. Right. He was there. My mom was there. They keep him company. Uh, How is it as a caregiver navigating something as complex as health insurance and figuring out what was available to? to to you as the family? Well, we have VA. We go strictly through VA. He mm-hmm. has nothing else. Because mm-hmm. he had just started a new job the first year. Mm-hmm. And it was a small company, though, under 50 employees. I mean, he would have eventually got insurance. Mm-hmm. But he hadn't been there long enough yet. So all we have is strictly through the VA. We didn't have that. Mm-hmm. It'd be very difficult. Yeah, my brother had good insurance. Well, not good insurance, but he had decent insurance. As long as the premium was paid, it was okay. They covered most of it. Oh. And, uh, I don't know about the copay. I'm not going to ask him about the copay. As far as you know, it was. <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, that as most of it was paid for by yeah. the insurance. Yeah, we did an episode this morning actually with her name is Monica Bryant. She's a cancer rights attorney. And have you ever heard of triage cancer? Mm-hmm. So, triage cancer is this nonprofit organization that is kind of in line with us in that they provide a lot of resources, legal advice, and practical resources and education. It's for patients and caregivers. And they have so many things on their website that talk about how to kind of address employment issues or how to even like budget yourself or health insurance related topics or concerns. And she was just talking about, you know, how insurance is such a technical world that now the person has to experience in the capacity of a caregiver or a patient. 
And how is it for you, David, navigating that world? You know, we were pretty fortunate. And yeah. quite frankly, Ron takes care of our finances. I'm an accountant by trade. Yeah, she takes care of everything. So they, literally, we just kind of hung in there till she got to about 30%, and then she dealt with it. And yeah. that, was, that was her area. And, and uh, yeah. we just, uh, you know, it was good insurance, first of all, to start with. So, I mean, we had small deductibles, small out-of-pocket, so everything was handled pretty well. But, you know, you start getting notices like three or four times a week, mm-hmm. and you get to see every bill. And I, the, the largest single one that I remember was well over 200000 And you look at that, and you think of people who don't have insurance or have crappier insurance, and you understand why they go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine. If we didn't have that insurance... Mm-hmm. We just kiss everything that we have today goodbye, and, and it's not about material goods, but we would have had to declare bankruptcy. And mm-hmm. it, it, we would just, there wouldn't have been a chance. And, and I, I do feel sad when I think of people like, say, the, that have the, the bad insurance programs or yeah. no insurance at all. And, you know, generally those people don't have the means to even seek assistance or aren't aware of it. You just get kind of double screwed. Mm-hmm. You know, it just uh, it's it's a sad reflection on, on the U.S. in general. Yeah. Yeah. It means that some people go, you know, what they do to try and make it work. Though. You know, because most people, when you come down to it, most people are good at heart. And, mm-hmm. and they only want to do the right thing. Everyone deserves to live. Right. So. Yeah. so what did this experience teach you about yourselves? Because, again, I know that the question is always... How's the patient? What did the patient experience? How did it affect you? But what did you guys learn about yourselves during this entire that's new a, role of yeah. caregiving? That's a great question. I don't even know if it's a fair question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been several years out. Mm-hmm. The awareness was the big change for me. Mm. I, I think, am I a better person for it? Probably not. Mm. Uh, but I'm more aware, so it, it might seem like I'm a better person. And... Uh, so, I mean, just the part where, I, like I mentioned before, I, I've been able to reach out to other people mm-hmm. without the awareness, without going through this experience. I probably would have felt bad for them, but would not have thought of doing some of the things that I do. Oh. That's empathy. Yeah. 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 Well, perhaps I, I gained and learned empathy then. There you go. See? That's hard to step in somebody else's shoes if you don't even know... That's true. What they're going through. Mm-hmm. Alejandro. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> what I learned? What did you learn? Myself? What did you learn about yourself? You're a hard worker. I know. We learned. We learned that you're an. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you know what? You're... I was lazy prior to that. <laughs> I, I used to work part time prior to all that going. Wow. So you went from part time to seven days a week. Wow. Right. Yeah, I was lazy. I was like, hmm. Learn how much strength you had. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I didn't like. I don't. I, I, okay, so I don't really like working. If I had a Amen, choice, brother. I really. I took that one. Yeah, good. I. I like working part time. Mm-hmm. I'd leave early. Or yeah, I'd leave early. <laughs> I like to just hang around, and I'm, after that, I was. Oh man, I worked a lot. Uh, Sometimes I come home at midnight, do it again the next day. So, uh, yeah, I guess maybe that. I, yeah. could, I could do it. It sounds to me like you were the 
learn the value of family. I mean, you oh no, I think I always had the. No, I know, but you then you just like expounded on it because then you were the one that you financially you had to take care of your family, you know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, your brother didn't work. You basically told your dad to stop working, and you you told your entire family you're going to take care of things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I did. I didn't tell them. I was, you just you did just it, did it. I yeah. Like, hey, yeah. I mean, yeah. you don't have to tell them specifically, but if you if that's what happened, you told them in one way or another that you're going to make sure everything's okay. Mm-hmm. So I totally respect that. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess that. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. That sounds yeah. good. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're a that. very good man. That guy's single, too. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was just getting ready to say something like that. How do you feel? <laughs> Right, somebody listening. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh, that they, is so my funny. Wife is coming to Texas. Yeah, they should they come should, to Texas. They have, Elgin, Elgin, Texas. I think they, they have. If we have any Elgin, Texas listeners, <laughs> comment below. Comment yeah. below. <laughs> they, they, they have a really good opportunity here. <laughs> hey, Rana, that's, that's Alejandro speaking, not me, all right? <laughs> so we'll be clear on that. Oh, what about you, Marinda? Uh, I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, this is a podcast, and so it's not video. Mm-hmm. He he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see now. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You're no, you're fine. And you're a character where it's twice over. Yeah, I. So. That's also strength. Yes. And yeah, you're tough. Just keep that toughness. Had to be. Got two boys too, so. Mm-hmm. So again, I we have to learn how to tell my husband. No, that he can't do things though with this. It's been fun. Well, he thinks that he's able to oh. have to go driving like he used to. Mm-hmm. And right after he got out of the hospital, he thought he was able to drive to go see the, his bosses. He was going to drive by himself. I sent my son, <laughs> my son mm-hmm. with him because he, you know. They get to that point, so yeah, I've had fun about telling him he can't drive, but I mean, it's not just fun, but yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be strong with them, though, sometimes to the point that they think they can still do things, and there's times that they can't. Yeah. So well, it's hard, and you have to start, re-learn. you know, you have to re- re-learn. Yeah. About what you can do, you cannot do, and how much time you need to be able to do it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that's the process. It's a lot. I mean, a lot of you have gone through, um, you know, your loved ones have gone through transplants, um, which, yet, which so. is, um, you know, even harder um, and post transplant. And one thing that I, I really um, want to acknowledge is that everybody in this group knows that um, sometimes we're more a danger to the patient than they are to us. Everybody thinks that, oh, you know, that person has leukemia. You know, we can't get leukemia from anybody, but they can get a cold from us easily, um, more so than, than we can get a cold from them. And you're more susceptible to stuff if you let yourself wear down, so. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to be careful. So for the, for the caregiver listening, what advice would you have for them? Still the same. Take mm-hmm. care of yourself. Uh, do what you can to break away and, and do things for yourself and make sure you get lots of rest. And, mm-hmm. and have some check, check in with somebody. Just say, you know, how do you think I'm doing? 
Yeah. You know, that's make somebody pay attention to you. Mm -hmm. That's not part of the hospital situation. Just get get someone to check in with. It's a good point. I mean, family, friends. Yeah. You know, and you call you. Or, yeah. Yeah. Because that definitely helps. Like my cousin didn't live too far, and she would at least come once, twice a week mm -hmm. just to sit, to you know, chat and see how everything was going. If everybody has somewhat of a support team behind them, also the caretakers too. I mean, mm -hmm. the patients definitely, but caretakers need support team also. Mm -hmm. So family and friends to help out. Be strong. That's a difference. Be strong. Be strong. That's probably it. Like, because mm -hmm. uh, the patient could have lows, you have to try to be strong for them. Mm -hmm. All right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they can get aggravated and really easy, so you gotta work through that too. You're mm -hmm. right. I mean, you, even if it's the hardest thing you've done for a long, long time, you gotta be strong for them. Even if when you leave the room, you collapse. It just uh, when you leave them, then you can cry. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or if you sometimes if you got the right person, you can cry together though too. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's, that's good too because me and Kevin, we've done that. We've cried together over this, and mm -hmm. that actually has helped a whole lot. Yeah. Because a lot of people can't. Which I don't know how you and your wife are, but there's probably a lot of spouses. You know, husband and wife said don't cry together so if you can that would be really good yeah is to share that part it doesn't have to be spouses and yeah well we 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 don't really we weren't that i mean <laughs> that, yeah that's my dad's fault because because we you don't we, show emotion then is what you're saying yeah, it's done not too much mm -hmm. um but, but now this time, this time, yeah, it's like... It helps. Yeah. 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 Um, it just comes down to mirroring whoever you're with in some situations. Yeah. yeah. Like, my wife, Rana, she's just, she's just a tough New Yorker. Mm -hmm. And she's never led on to be anything other than that. Mm. And that was before ML, and it's after ML. So, yeah. yeah. She can drive the bus. We see it as there's no point sulking about it. You got it, and you have to get through it. So, yep. Just grab, I guess, grab the bull by the horns and mm -hmm. get it done. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's the only choice you have. Or, well, it's not the only choice you have, but <laughs> it's the best choice. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Ron was like, you know, they they give us some funny options at the beginning, saying, well, but I didn't even know if they were options, but I'd known someone whose spouse had survived after just chemo and had been in remission. And I said, well, why do, you know, uh, I'm like, well, maybe we should think about considering this to see how it works out. And she's like, no, it's all or nothing mm. with, with her. I mean, she was like, we're, we're shooting for the cure as soon as we can. We're not going to, you know, let this play out and see if it does or doesn't work. And it was interesting. Uh, the first time... <laughs> Serious time uh, uh, talk with the oncologist. I think it was an hour meeting, and then he listed you know chemo and like three or four times during that initial meeting. After this part, you could die, and after this, you could die. After this, you could die. And and my wife said, "Well, what are the odds?" And he said, "Well, for you, it's a hundred percent or zero." Mm. And she said, "Well, let's go." Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Like you said, you don't have the time to mull it yeah. over for that long. Yeah. yeah. When I grow up, I want to be as tough as her. That, oh. that's, that is one of the scariest things, though, is hearing 
how how close yeah how close to death you really are yeah means like he had a okay so my brother when he got the first treatment of chemo he had his appendix burst oh <laughs> my gosh he didn't know it we were in san antonio and uh and he was just complaining he's got a little bit of pain on the side and i was making fun of him because we in there's a restaurant that's in northern mexico that's really popular for for grilled chicken and there was there happens to be one in san antonio so it's called el, el pollo loco mm-hmm. i'm like man you don't want el pollo loco and he's like no nah, i got i got a pain right here i only eat a little bit so i'm like well shoot i'll eat i'll eat it then whatever and uh i don't know if it was that day or the next day we went when he told the doctor the doctor started like pushing on his abdomen checking he's like oh we're gonna send you to go get this scan he thought it felt fine but he wasn't sure so they sent him down and then uh He's like, yeah, you know what? Your appendix burst. We need to get you into surgery right now. Oh, my gosh. So uh, he already got sepsis. So his blood was already poisoned. <laughs> he was getting a fever, but it, was, it wasn't going away. And the doctor said, I think uh, if you'd have waited another day, you probably could have died. Mm. I'm like, oh, well, good thing we did mm-hmm. it now. Yeah. So that's, that's the scary part of yeah. that. Yeah. A lot of patients and caregivers say that um, when they're in the midst of it, you know, they're, they're battling the war. So they don't have time to think of what they're going through. But then once the patient gets into remission, um, usually the patient and caregiver both realize, oh my gosh, look what we just went through. You may not realize it then, but after you start to say, oh my gosh, you know, that was something serious. No, we're not in remission yet, so I'm not sure on that part yet. So you're still battling We're still, yeah. We go Wednesday for biopsy, though, so Mm. Wednesday we'll know for sure where we're at. But, yeah, we're not there quite yet. Okay. So can't quite answer that question yet. I don't think I saw it that way. I don't think we see it that way, Mm. what he went through, because we saw it then and now it's like, whoa. Well, either you make sure you don't, and we're still, still seeing like that. I suppose it's pretty bad, you know. Uh, and uh, we usually make light of the situation mm-hmm. as it as it comes, but we. And that's also a way of getting through how, it. How yeah, bad yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta have some laughs in that. Yeah. I don't think that we have any of those moments per se, you know, as far as reflection. In a way, we do, because we got involved with, like, uh, ACS. We both were on the local board. Uh, we did a lot of trying to get people on the uh, on the bone marrow, uh, on the registry, mm-hmm. uh, through an organization called Love, Hope, Strength. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that kept us in uh, an extreme kind of cancer loop. And unfortunately, what happened through that process is we did get to see people die because of, of their cancers. Mm-hmm. So those are the times that we kind of reflected and said, you know, really just looked back and noticed how lucky we really were. And so those are tougher times. Yeah. And so passive because you just, you look back and it's not a why me or why us, you know, why are we so lucky? It's just, it's just so sad that so many people didn't make it. Alrighty. Well, guys, is there anything that you think we didn't cover that a caregiver listening would benefit from? You know, mm-hmm. don't give up because mm-hmm. if you give up, that's pretty much 
game over, I guess. Positive yeah. attitude, yeah. yeah, it helps. It feels like you're alone, yeah. Yeah. And then we find you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for all you do. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Thank you for letting our caregivers know that they're not alone. And we really wish you and your loved ones well. David, Marinda, and come on one time for the listeners. Alejandro. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We can be found on iTunes and other great podcatchers. You can subscribe at www.thebloodline.org. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Keep up with LLS by following us on Twitter at LLSUSA and Facebook at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Until next time.